Welcome to Business Masters, the podcast that gives you direct access to world-leading experts on key business issues. To be the first to know about future shows and to access even more exclusive content, visit businessblueprint.com and subscribe today. Hello, it's Dale Beaumont, founder of Business Blueprint, and welcome to another Business Masters podcast. Today, I'm talking with professional speaker and author and founder of the Productivity Increase Group, Roger Simpson. And our topic is how to get your staff to perform at their best. Roger, welcome. Hi, Dale. Thanks for, for getting me on today. So let's start with the big picture. How do we get our staff to do what we want them to do? Yep, that's a, a great question. I think it starts off, Dale, with, first of all, finding the right people. So you've got to have the right people in your business, and the rest becomes so much easier. Now, with most business owners, of course, they already have staff, so how do you work with the ones you've currently got? And I really look at three things. The first one is, is that your team really need to know your expectations. So, and... Obviously, if you're in a customer service or a customer facing or dealing with customers on the phone, it's really from their point of view, you know, what the customers actually want. Because if we provide great service to the customers, which is what they want, they'll probably come back. So it's getting those expectations right, first of all. The second one is that, is that staff need to be trained. How can we expect them to do the job if we don't train them in our procedures and processes? So we need to train them. The third step is that they need follow-up. So that's where the manager or business owner or team leader needs to actually spend time once they've been trained, just observing, listening into calls or watching how they're going and then obviously giving them feedback. So that would be my recommendations on how to get staff up to that require, well, that, that level that you require them to be. All right. Well, let's start with the, the top down because you mentioned a bit of a, a process there. Um, yep. First one was about finding and recruiting the right people. Yes. So how do we go about doing that in the first place? Any tips for business owners about recruiting great talent? Absolutely. And I think this is probably one of the weakest areas for most managers is that they don't probably have a solid process around recruiting the right people. What happens, I believe, is that they tend to leave it to the last minute. So very reactive and they tend to just do it quite quickly and therefore make mistakes and keep employing the wrong people. And what we always recommend for business owners is that generally you don't actually need any experience. You're probably better to actually have people who have no experience but have the right personality and the right attitude. So our little mantra we always suggest is you hire for attitude and you train for skills. So hire for attitude, train for skills. And that process starts off with identifying what sort of person am I looking for and identifying your strengths and weaknesses of your current team, the personality you require, then you go into the whole recruitment process. So there's a fair bit done before the interview. The interview is sort of the last thing that you do. Let's quickly talk about that, the A word, attitude. Yep. Um, oftentimes, you know, we meet people that have a friendly and bubbly personality, but that doesn't necessarily mean a good attitude. And these people certainly don't go walking around with a sign on their head. So yes. how do we find people that have a, a great attitude? Are there some specific things in the recruitment process or interview process where we can identify these people? Most definitely. And, and I think what happens is that a lot of business owners rely on the interview only. And what I believe is fundamentally is that 
anyone who turns up for an interview, that's the best you're going to see them because they obviously are there to, they want the job or they just might want the money or whatever and they're there to impress you. So what we need to do is dig a bit deeper. So a couple of uh, suggestions there is that, as I've already mentioned, identifying the personality you're looking for. And so even with the ads, the ad that you need to put in place, whether that might just be on your shop window or it might be uh, on Seek or whatever, is that that needs to reflect the personality and attitude that you're looking for. So I do do a lot of work with my clients helping them write ads that are going to attract the right people. And people that think, oh, that's probably too hard, self-select themselves out of the process, which is what you want. Don't waste my time. Then the next step we always look at is you need to ring them. So once you've got their resume, you've identified a pile of some yeses and maybes, you need to ring them. And most people ring them just to get them in for an interview. We say, before you do that, ask two questions. One of them is, are you still interested in the job? That specific question will determine a lot of things because if they respond with a positive yes, then you're probably on the right track. If they're a bit hesitant or sort of not really uh, you know, sounding as though they're really that keen, then you've probably got your answer as well. The second question is, ask them what made you apply for the job. And again, what they say is very interesting because that's going to determine their attitude. Next step is before the interview, try and get them into your business just to meet you or come in to fill an application form out. Whatever purpose or whatever reason you have to get them to come in before the interview because when they come in, they're not coming for an interview. They're just coming in to say hello and set a time with them. Do they turn up on time? What are they dressed like? What are their attitude like? So a lot of things you can actually judge them on beforehand and if they meet your criteria, they go forward. If they don't, they fall off the list. Then next step, of course, is the interview and that's got to be structured around asking the right questions and that's where a lot of business owners fall down is they don't ask the right questions and so questions need to be around what we call behavioural questions, finding out really what makes that person tick. Tell me about some of those questions that we can find out, you know, their, their, their behaviours and, you know, and their attitude. I'm very keen to know. Sure. What we tend to find is that a lot of, as I said before, the candidate's really wanting to impress you. So if you ask them a question along the lines of, how would you deal with an upset customer? Now, they're going to tell you what, what you want to hear. They'll tell you the right things and you'll be going, wow, this person's fantastic. So what we try and do is get them to think about what they've done in the past. Because we believe that previous behaviour is a fantastic indicator of future behaviour. Now, we're all in our habits now by the time I think we turn five or six, I think we've formed our habits. And so certainly with people working, that's, that tends to be the case. So rather than saying, what would you do or how would you deal with an upset customer, you could say to the candidate, tell me about a time when you've had to deal with an upset customer. So they have to think of a situation. Yep, explain that to me. Yep, so... What was, the, what was the outcome? What did you do? What were some lessons learnt? Same as, tell me, what do the words customer service mean to you? Give me an example of, of a great customer service experience you've had. Why was it good? A bad customer service experience. Why was it bad? Tell me about a time you didn't get on with a work colleague. That's a great question to ask. And so you're really starting to find out you're getting right inside their head. And I think we need, we need to really work on those questions, Dale. Fantastic. So then after the interview process, you know, what do you recommend? A second interview or calling references? What else can we do to make sure that we don't kind of, you know, pull the trigger too soon yes. uh, and we haven't got all the kind of the info we need? Yeah, great question. 
sometimes there's a requirement for a second interview and that, and that might depend on if you've got, say, a couple of candidates you really can't separate. So you might get them back in for, an, for a second interview. But previous, oh, sorry, prior to the second interview, you must, must reference check. So you've just finished the interview and then again, what we look at there and my strong recommendation for business owners is that they must have two people at the interview, so the business owner and maybe the team leader or something like that because you get two uh, points of view. You must ask the same questions from every candidate so you can compare and you can use a scoring system. So you can start to compare candidate uh, A versus candidate B, how do they answer each question and if you use a scoring system you're going to really start to find uh, the, the difference between the candidates. Then the reference checking is essential and you must talk to their current and or previous employers. And some people of course are in a current job that don't want their boss to know they're leaving so you can't obviously betray that trust but you need to get their previous employer because there's no point ringing friends because they'll, they'll tell you good things. And if you're in a hurry Dale we always recommend one key question, and that is, would you re-employ this person? And you need to really listen carefully for the response. A positive yes, you're obviously on the right track. A hesitant yes, then that's probably telling you something completely different. And obviously if they say, oh, not really, then I think that's a fairly good indicator that they are not going to be the right person for your business. Mm. So, and it's just, look, it's essential that people do reference check. I know we're always pushed for time, but I've had many situations where people say, I had a person who was a nightmare in my business, and I said, did you reference check? And the answer was no. So we just set ourselves up to fail, Dale. And what about if we got, say, two references, and they put them in their resume, and then yep. you look back through their, you know, their career history, and they've got you know, seven or eight different jobs that they've had in the past couple of years. Yep. Is it okay to actually call up those, uh, those people and ask to speak to a, you know, a manager there um, and, and go back through, through references that haven't been listed? Uh, yeah, look, part, part of the problem is, is that you really need to find, it's really the last probably couple of employers is the most important because that's, that's fairly current. So you really need to find probably two or three three referees you need to talk to. So I I'll just go back probably two or three, Dale okay. would be would be plenty. And because um, again, it's, it's going to take time that you need to do that with. And you're probably going to have three people or four people that you've interviewed. So it's still like twelve calls. So that's probably plenty All to right. get a good a good feeling from. Well, let's move on now uh, because we're kind of uh, now going to assume from this point on you already have staff, they're, they're yep. in place, um, and we want to make sure that we can get them to perform at their best um, yes. for their sake and also ours as business owners as well. So what are some of the, you've mentioned before about communicating the expectations and also yes. training as well. Are they kind of happen at the same time, one and the same? Are they sort of separate things? Just explain those a bit more. Sure. Look, I th communication would be, the major source of issues, challenges in every business, whether it's, whether it's large or small. The great businesses who are doing really well tend to have a fantastic communication process and that tends to be two-way so that managers are, are, are very clear with their expectations for their, for their team but they also get their team on board uh, searching for ideas, open, hearing uh, feedback from the, from the front line making changes because it's going to help the frontline people. So that, that tends to be the, the great businesses. The ones where it falls down is, is where that communication is not there and where 
management just sort of you know send out memos and people have to read it and sign it and all those sort of things and it just doesn't get through and people don't understand what the requirements are and all those sort of things. The other challenge I find uh, was that we're becoming a much more transient uh, workforce. We employ a lot more casuals and I really dislike that term because to me it's just I hear people say oh, I'm just a casual and to me their attitude's casual and often casuals are now in place in our busiest times so in the in the in the late afternoon evenings and on weekends when it's often our busiest times and they get less training they're less connected so what we do it's a contagious mixture because we put our less connected people in front of more of our customers i think it's a recipe for disaster so we've got to make sure that that, that communication process and casuals have got to be on board and we do that through managers spending time with each person one-on-one -on -one, and also team meetings are really important it's just so everyone feels connected Okay, let's talk about now. Let's imagine the person's up and running. They're, they're yep. in place, and you know, after a few days, few weeks, something goes wrong. Um, yep. How do we? You talked about giving people feedback before, and even you know, introduce the word coaching. Yeah. Um, how do we kind of um, you know pull someone up on something, correct their behaviour without yep. them feel like we are you know kind of being too strong or, or pushing them around? Yes, yes, yeah, and it, I think again. Often listed communication as the biggest challenge, and I think this would probably be the second biggest challenge, is that a lot of managers don't feel confident with giving feedback, or they do it too aggressively and people get upset. One of the problems, Dale, is that what we do is we tend to train people when they first start in the procedures we want them to do. Then I just I think we just think they'll keep doing it correctly. And what happens is they develop bad habits and take shortcuts. And if we don't follow up, then people just tend to do what they want to do. And they just their behavior gets worse and worse. And, and then we wonder why we, why we have this problem. So the key thing is, and the difference to me between training and coaching is training happens when you uh, initially, and can be ongoing as well, but you want someone to learn a new skill. Uh, coaching is the follow-up. So you train them, do they actually put in place the new, the new skill? And training is generally done in a, in a often off the job, uh, whereas coaching is done on the job. So how are they putting in place uh, the, the processes? And if someone's struggling, then it's a simple case that we actually need to give them more help. So we'll be identifying what the behaviours are that they're missing or not doing correctly and simply addressing them and giving them, giving them 10 to 15 seconds uh, of feedback. That's as short as it needs to be. And then watching them then perform uh, the tasks again, and if they get it right, we need to uh, praise them. Okay, so it's you, you a pretty simple process. And you mentioned that that time. I'm glad you said that. You know, 15 or 20 seconds, however long it is, because oftentimes we think as business owners, like, geez, I don't have time to keep pulling this person up or yeah, yeah. giving this person feedback, or you know. But I suppose we spend you know 10 times more than that thinking about it, stewing yeah. on it, getting upset about it, getting angry about it. But yes. if we just get, yeah, let's deal with this right now, uh, we'd yes. probably save ourselves a lot of time. Is that right? Absolutely. And, and, and that's what tends to happen is that, yeah, there's that, that situation as well, Dave, but there's also, the, I think, the other situation is that managers are completely unaware that their people aren't doing the right thing. Mm. I've had many experiences where we run training sessions and we go on the job the following day, and it's amazing when we get the managers to just watch what your team are doing or a team member and they identify things, man, I didn't even know they weren't doing that. Mm. 
the staff member doesn't even know they're not doing it. So unless what we so what we do is we we've got to get managers building their awareness. What's actually happening? Then they need to intervene and give feedback and and use the right feedback. It's uh, as I said, most people I think want to do a good job and they tend to be open open to the style of feedback that we actually train them in. And we get no pushback from from anyone really. They go, oh, God, sorry, look, yeah, I'll, I'll fix that right now. So it's a, it's a great result all round. I'm totally on board with what you're saying and also following up and making sure yep. that we're, you know, actually taking time out because oftentimes we're so busy, we're doing our own work. We don't yes. kind of check to make sure that things are being done and those systems uh, and procedures are being followed. However, oftentimes we hear about this term called micromanaging where we're kind yes. of nitpicking, we're looking over people's shoulders, we're questioning everything that they do. How do we draw the line and make sure we've got that right balance? Yeah, a great question, and, and, and that can tend to happen when we, when we now become aware, wow, I've got to keep following up with this person, keep following up, keep following up. And the danger here is, Dale, as well, is that um, when we start to really watch what people are doing, sometimes the danger can be is that we, we just happen to be, at the, be there at the, at the wrong time and we see them do something wrong. So always our recommendation is that, is that when you're observing a, a team member, and we do it. We don't need to tell them that we're doing it because the main reason why we don't tell them is not, not to catch them out. We don't want them feeling as though they are being watched because most people get nervous when they're being watched. We, we want to, and we want to see what they do naturally. So then we always recommend, look, we'll just watch, particularly in a service situation where they're serving customers or, or on the phone, is you need to watch or listen to more than one transaction because if you just assume they've just got it wrong, and we assume that, well, they always got it wrong, they might have got it right 57 times beforehand. And if we jump on them, they're going to get really, really annoyed. But if you sort of see them or hear them not doing something three times in a row, that's a fairly strong indicator that they're consistently missing that behaviour. So it's just identifying who we need to focus on. And the people that are really struggling just need more help. So they, they might feel a little bit, you know, that we're, we're working a lot with them and they're a bit micromanaged, but we want them to actually improve. So and again, you're not going to do it all in the one day. You might do it over, over a week or two weeks and just focus on, on one or two things. But most people, if they've been trained correctly, it would take probably about a 15, 20-minute uh, little coaching session to get them up to speed fully. So it's not, it's not difficult to do that. All right, now you mentioned giving people feedback. doesn't need to take a long period of time. Definitely not. What's the, what's the kind of the process for giving feedback? Imagine it's guessing it's not like, hey, you didn't do this properly. You know, you need to yes. fix it. What's the actual process? Let's just imagine that you're in a, a, a retail role. You, yep. you tell them they have to give a customer a receipt. Um, yep. You're kind of, you know, observing and three times in a row, they didn't give a staff member a receipt. How would you pull up someone like that? Yep, excellent, and that's a, that's a really good example. So we have to assume that they've been trained because if we haven't trained them in that, in that process and, and, they, and they're not aware that that's, that's a requirement, and then it's actually our fault. So we're assuming that they've been trained and they, and they know that they need to do that. So it's very simply just saying to, saying to the person, and I'll use your um, use example, Dale. So all I'd simply say to you, Dale, is, uh, so Dale, I'll just watch you with the last three uh, uh, customers, and I notice you haven't been handing a receipt to the customer or to any of those three customers. So again, I just deal on the facts. Then I ask you a simple question, which is, why is it important that we do that, Dale? So I avoid the question, why didn't you do it? Because you'll come up with lots of reasons why not. So I simply say, why is it important that we do that? 
and you'll give me the answer, which is hopefully, oh, make sure the customer's got their receipt in case there's a problem or they need to claim tax or whatever it might be. So I'll say, fantastic. So how would you feel about having a go with the next customer? And we're going to assume that 99.9% of people are going to go, yep, no problem. And then what's going to happen next, Al? I'm going to watch you with the next customer and what's probably highly likely to happen is you'll hand, you'll hand the customer the receipt or offer the receipt. Problem fixed. Then I just need to give you some positive feedback. Just say, hey, thanks, Dale. Love the way you, you um, handed that customer the receipt. Well done. And I think you're going to be fixed. I might follow up again in, another, in an hour's time, see if you're still doing it, and give you some more positive feedback. And it's fixed as simply as that, Dale. And it's probably taken me maybe 30 seconds. Fantastic. I want to talk more about that positive feedback because you've mentioned a couple of times about yeah. catching people doing things right. Yes. Uh, can you, oftentimes it's very hard as a business owner, I know myself, uh, you know, as, as well, and a lot of staff are kind of like looking for praise, but, you know, we just kind of assume that it's part of just doing the job, but we yeah. don't say anything. <laughs> How can we learn to become better praisers? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question because a lot of people just say, well, I'm paying them, aren't I? <laughs> that's, that's praise enough. And look, I think it's a challenge, though, is that as we just assume, again, often it's our own personality is that if it's our business and, and, we, and we get our positive uh, feedback through our business um, improving sales and things, but we do it through our people and I think we just tend to forget. So, and we can go to the extreme, you know, we can change and completely and, and spend every half an hour walk up and tell people they're doing a great job and it becomes very insincere. So we have to find a balance. And to me, it's about just looking at consistency. So if someone's doing something consistently, where sometimes I do miss it, but when I happen to notice, and if, again, if I watch the three transactions, they do it two times out of three or maybe even once out of, out of three, that's my time to go in and give them positive feedback. So like the receipts, for example, if, that you mentioned before. So if we have someone who does it most of the time but sometimes misses it, what we would tend to focus on is give them feedback when they miss it, which is the negative feedback. Whereas if you actually give them positive feedback when they do it, all they're hearing is positive feedback. And it's so quick. So I just say to you, I really like the way you handed the receipt back to that last customer. That was great service. That's all you're hearing from me. It takes five seconds, and I guarantee you'll do it again. Mm. So the thing that business owners have got to be more focused on, remember I used that word awareness. They just have to be watching and listening to what their staff are doing and identifying the areas to give feedback on. No point giving someone feedback on, love the way you're standing upright when the customers come in, if they always do it, because they always do it. Let's focus on the areas that they don't always get right, but praise it when they do. Okay, fantastic. We've got a couple minutes left. Um, sure. I wanted to just talk about some of your um, your experience because I know that you've spent a lot of time um, in America and you've actually gone to Disney and done some yeah. training with the Disney Corporation. Um, so what have you learned from Disney that would benefit sort of small to medium-sized businesses? Wow, that's, um, that's a great question. I was very lucky to spend two days at the Disney Institute. Um, I actually went with one of my clients, uh, Tom O'Toole from the Beechworth Bakery and a couple of his managers. And we went um, with a group of like-minded uh, Australians and we had two days learning about Disney's approach to people management. And a couple of things just got absolutely reinforced to me, Dale. Again, they reinforced uh, all about their... Their team know exactly what their requirements are. So there's no, they know why they do their job 
and they know why what they need to do to um, to uh, to deal with their customers or their guests as they call them of course the couple of big things that came out is that the recruitment process is um, is very in depth and so sort of reconfirmed all the things that um, I've talked about earlier today they do consistently they also have what they call their non-negotiables and this is a big one which the Beechworth Bakery guys have taken back and developed their baker's dozen they call it so this is their sort of stands in their business that they're not prepared to compromise on and so the Beechworth Bakery example one of them uh, that I know is that uh, is that you're allowed to have fun during your working uh, during your working hours that's a requirement to turn up to work and have fun isn't that a isn't that a positive way of looking at things so they've got um, so the, the non-negotiables was a really good one the other area that um, I really loved it reinforced to me about uh, how do you get your people to do what you want them to do is that they have amazing training but they also do follow up and their managers team leaders spend 70% of their time out in the park following up with their team. So they do their own observations and sometimes they'll tell the person they're going to observe them and sometimes they won't tell them. So very similar to what I've been describing and they watch them dealing with their guests and then they give them feedback on how they're going. So they use a checklist to make sure that they capture the information and then, and then give feedback. So very similar to what, what we use with our clients over here. So. To me, it was just a really, it was a great reinforcement about um, about making sure that everyone's clear on the standards, trained, and then followed up. Fantastic. Well, we're pretty much out of time. Roger, thanks very much for joining us. Been a pleasure, Al. For more information about Roger Simpson, please visit productivityincreasegroup.com.au. Thanks for listening to another Business Masters podcast. To access more great content or to download your free business plan template, visit businessblueprint.com.